There's a lot going on in the world right now, and The Skim is here to help you cut through the noise. Meet Skim This, a weekly podcast that makes it easier to understand how the news impacts you. They'll break down the most complicated stories of the week and add context and clarity to answer the questions that are on your mind, to help explain why what happened this week matters both in the short term and the long term. So subscribe and listen every Friday morning on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online access to licensed counselors. It's therapy you can do from your couch. So if something in your life is making you feel stuck or unhappy or frustrated and you could use some help, Try talking to a therapist and start with BetterHelp. All you have to do is fill out a quick online survey and they'll match you with a counselor within 48 hours. And if you don't like that counselor for any reason, you can switch to a different person free of charge. To try BetterHelp and also really help out our show, you can head to trybetterhelp.com slash helpmebeme and you'll get 10% off your first month of therapy. It's Sarah May, and this is an episode about going external. So it's for basically a lack of self-love or an over-identification with um, something outside of yourself, like the affection of other people or your looks or whatever you can earn or your stuff. So if you feel like basically there's nothing great about yourself, you also don't trust yourself you don't have any faith in yourself, you doubt yourself a lot, and you feel like the only merit you have is things outside of you, like if somebody tells you you're doing a good job, if you get a promotion, if you get complimented, if other people are attracted to you, um, and maybe also in your life you have a habit of hurting other people, like you accidentally hurt others or others get mad at you, or maybe you... You don't have a lot of friends that are of the same gender, like people don't trust you or you, you notice that you set, set off people in a way that you don't anticipate. Um, so I know that's kind of a random swath of different <laughs> traits. Um, so if you act in really selfish or self-destructive ways, like maybe you betray others or lie or cheat, that would be another symptom of... Uh, feeling a lack of self-love or a lack of self-trust. Or maybe you also feel heavily identified with your body. Like you feel like that is the greatest thing about yourself. And maybe you don't feel like there's much more that's good about you and who you are. So if that sounds like you, this is an episode for you. Because it's really about building, starting to build up faith in yourself and a belief that you are a good person. But in order to believe that we are a good person, we have to actually witness ourselves acting as such. So it's a process. So this is kind of the beginning of that process. Um, so if you mistrust yourself as a general rule, I want to talk a little bit about my personal trajectory and how and why this happened for me. Um, because I was a person that did not trust myself and I was not trustworthy. And I'm doing that in the hopes that it will register something in you, like you will recognize 
uh, and understand a pattern in yourself so that you can actually unravel it and change it. Because I would assume if you are a person who does not trust yourself, you don't also like yourself and therefore you can't be that happy. It's not a fun life. It's not um, a comfortable, satiated, joyful life. It's one that's kind of, it's almost like living already dead in many ways. So with that, here's part one, the what. I think when we have a habit of feeling an intense amount of pain inside, we go what I'm calling external. And by that, I mean we start identifying with things outside of us, like our appearance or money or the stuff we own or a trophy of some sort. And for me, this happened in high school when I went through a series of traumatic events in a short amount of time. And what that did was make it very intolerable to be in my body. And it's when it's uncomfortable to be in your body, when it feels scary to be in your own skin, um, often what we do as a way to cope, as a healthy coping mechanism, is we start focusing on things outside of ourselves uh, for any means of relief, for any means of pleasure or joy. And in my case, I had PTSD, and I didn't know that I had PTSD. And if you haven't read anything about PTSD or you don't know if you have untreated PTSD yourself, it feels something, it feels like a sense of dread or terror, um, either all the time or at very random specific times when you are triggered. So it, it'll feel like something terrible is about to happen and you don't know why, or you forgot why. Um, but you have a lot of dread and you feel you are in great danger. So it's like, run, 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 run. Where do I run? I have no idea. And sometimes you actually, you think you know the source of the danger and it's a focused fear. For example, maybe you intensely fear that someone you love is going to die or you are intensely afraid um, some specific thing is about to happen. Other times it's just an ever-present and pervasive fear and dread and terror that doesn't have a source. So it just feels like really, really painful anxiety. And when you have a lot of painful anxiety, you can't concentrate or retain information and you can't feel safe anywhere at any time unless your body's shut off, unless your feelings are shut off. Um, another source of this state of being that is not related to having you know, specific traumas would be a lot of little experiences that make it unsafe to be in your body. Like, for example, if you had a parent who made you feel invisible, who ignored your suffering. Maybe you had a parent who put themselves first and neglected you for a large portion of your childhood. In other words, chronic feelings of intense pain and sorrow or chronic situations of worry and humiliation. And it doesn't even have to be chronic. It could be like a handful of experiences in your childhood that stick out to you or memories that don't necessarily, you know, speak to a daily pain, but they're kind of symptomatic of a way of being. Because oftentimes we'll have like two or three memories that are super painful and we forgot all of the in-between days of pain and sorrow in between. So regardless, what happens when you have a lot of fear and pain and anxiety in your body 
and it's uncomfortable to be in that feeling is you start to go external. So you'll start to cut off focus on your insides and the intense fear and you start to only focus on what you can control outside of you. And it's a survival mechanism. It's actually a really healthy um, process because it helps us avoid a nervous breakdown. However, it's kind of like a ha- it becomes a habit. It's unhealthy in the manifestations it leads to in our life. Because when you go external, you stop having any connection to what it is you really genuinely want holistically. And you also lose a connection to what hurts you because you're, you're cutting off a focus on what is going on inside of you. So you lose access to a lot of really important feedback. You lose access to your gut instincts and you can do a lot of damage to yourself and others when you can't feel how much it hurts. When this occurred for me, I started to heavily focus on my body and my appearance and with that my ability to command attention. So I became solely fixated on the attentions and affections of others, which for a teenage girl is not a good situation. (laughs) It was not a matter of the quality of the attention, it was the intensity of it or how overt the attention was. Because you're You're being guided by external measures, like what you can see outside of yourself. It has nothing to do with what is happening inside. And that is because it creates a felt sense of worthiness in the absence of an internal sense of it. And it became a version of pleasure in that I had the absence of any other kind of pleasure in terms of feelings about myself. So the feelings of others about me became the sole source of feelings of value. However, it's like a super simplified version of value when you don't have a connection to yourself. It's almost like a black and white, really, really basic version of value because it's like this person likes me or wants to give me attention equals I am worthy, which in reality it does not. So my value was purely dictated by what I could see on the outside. Like, this person is giving me attention, therefore I am valuable. That Therefore, I feel good. And it comes and goes with the spigot that is that attention. And that's because there is no internal connection happening. I could not receive any genuine pleasure as a human being um, or some anybody that wanted to invest in my thoughts, my feelings... Uh, what I wanted. And I, I want to just pause there and ask you if that rings any bells for you. Does that resonate? Does that feel true for you? Do you feel really uncomfortable when somebody wants to hear from you and um, wants to know what it is you want? Does that feel like really unsafe? And does it feel like the only sense of worthiness and joy in yourself comes from when others are attracted to you or give you really overt attention because um, that I would say is a symptom of an old pervasive habit of being unsafe inside your own skin of not feeling comfortable in your body and I would say when you are when you are capable of you know accepting pleasure or enjoying like talking about yourself, being having things focused on you and your needs, it is only when you are capable of being vulnerable. And that is just one symptom of 
being able to listen inwards is you are also able to ask what it is you want and know what that is. When you're cut off, you don't know what that is. Therefore, the only thing that exists is what others want. Another unfortunate symptom is you are capable of doing terrible things to others because you don't have a connection to that ouch. Like once you abandon yourself, you also abandon others because you have no gut instinct and therefore your only understanding of good and bad is what immediately feels good ba- good and bad and that's all there really is. It's like something feels good and something feels like dread and pain and anxiety and there's nothing in between. So in many ways you're chasing relief all the time. You're chasing anything that doesn't feel terrible and anything that will relieve that overwhelming sense of emptiness and dread and worthy unworthiness. So life becomes about just relief from pain and the pain lives inside all the time. So it's like you're trying to fill it always, but you forget that it's actually pain and you redefine your life as just, this is who I am. These are the things I want. These are the things I do. And therefore they are related to my personality and my self-definition. And it's really hard to identify it as originally pain inside and that yourself you're creating a cell for yourself because you're constantly avoiding thinking about it. It's it's like a distant memory that you almost never believed was true. It's like it, it becomes like a chaotic internal numbness and everything could be a lie because you've already believed I'm an untrustworthy person to begin with, therefore I'm probably just bullshitting myself. So We've established that the external world, what other thinks, what others think and do become the source of happiness and worthiness. And all happiness comes from the outside versus the inside. And here's the other shitty thing about being disconnected from what it is that makes you happy and what hurts you. You also end up disconnected from your instincts. And when it comes to danger and poor ethics and honor and respect and being worth your word, you literally have no compass. Because what guides us is kind of, as a healthy individual, is we ha- we feel pain when we hurt others. We feel pain when we do the wrong thing. But when we are hurting ourselves and quite literally feel worthless and we don't have any connection to the inside, we are capable of great harm to others as well because it doesn't feel... Uh, painful. Like everything feels bad and everything inside feels empty. So we can't actually feel the effects of the actions as we take them. We lose the immediate feedback. I recall being the type of person during this time in my life who would happily hang out with like my best friend, best friend's boyfriend and love the attention. And then I would be so confused and shocked when my best friend would be pissed off at me. And I know teenagers are already kind of um, self-involved or narcissistic or short-sighted just based on de- where they are developmentally. But when you add in a kind of soul focus on the external, it's, it's almost like being a simply coded robot. Like you can't understand the ramifications of your actions because you can't care in the moment because in the moment you don't care about, uh, 
anything other than relief from pain. And external goals guide everything. Relief from pain is the only goal day to day. Feeling relief is the only goal day to day. And so I would like to ask you at this point, do you recognize anything of yourself in these patterns? Like you might not have thought about it in a long time, but how do you feel about yourself when you think about just you on you when you are solo? Is it kind of an, a chaotic numbness, an emptiness, a sense of fear and dread, like a, a bottomless pit? You might not have any idea because it might be too amorphous. Like it's kind of confusing to even, it's like, where do I even go? How do I even sense into that? Where is that area of my, of my person? Is there a chance that it's kind of dangerous to sit with what you feel inside right now? Like, do you somewhere deep down sort of believe like you're a shitty, worthless person? If you have developed a habit of chasing the external, of being very much guided by obtaining pleasure at the cost of all else, I would make a guess that somewhere along the line, you stopped living in your body because you didn't feel safe being there. Part two, the why. Well, if you didn't have one singular trauma that caused you to develop PTSD, often when we don't trust ourselves, it's in part due to a parenting style where the parent basically doesn't give us enough nurturing and support, or a parent is overly critical and it makes us not trust ourselves. So we start believing we cannot be relied on. Or a parent who's overly... um, involved in our lives and does not give us enough autonomy. So if your parent made a lot of decisions for you or criticized your decision making, um, we're basically being demonstrated by our lives that we are not trustworthy. So we just, we stop listening to ourselves. Um, and that, that's one reason that this might be happening for you or be, has become a pattern in your life. Another reason is, uh, OCD. Or if you have like really painful, excessive anxiety that causes you to overthink things. Some of the research shows that this is related to a part of the brain that doesn't shut off. That causes basically you to continually check for danger. Like check on a source of danger. Um, And so what happens is we end up finding relief in just using the opinions of others instead of our own. Because then we don't have to think so much. It saves us pain and energy because somebody else is making the decision for us. And regardless of, I don't know if any of those made sense for you or if all of them made sense for you, when and how this began in your life is something you will have to investigate on your own, I would say in therapy, like I did. Um, I think it's really helpful to have another person to bounce off of and do the digging just because more arises in the room when you have external feedback. It does take some digging because a lot of the time it's like we've sealed up the door and put nails in it and it's like you you can't even remember that it exists and it'll like it'll feel like nothing's there. Like it'll feel like complete blind spots and on a, around a topic and you'll just kind of like go around it and you'll go around it again. And then one memory, you'll start to recall it and in a different way. And suddenly an emotion will be triggered and a lot of stuff will pour out. It's, it's like it happens on its own time when you're safe, though. It's almost like a natural physical process. 
like breast milk, for example. <laughs> like you have to feel comfortable and then it kind of flows. Sorry if that grossed anybody out. Um, but in the meantime, past working on this in therapy and just retracing when and how this occurred, I have a couple of tools to offer you to try in just as a starting point for developing a new kind of relationship with yourself. So this is part three, the how, the tools. So this is really about starting to rebuild the telephone poles in the rural backcountry of your body. So connecting back to this inner gut as demonstrated by actions. So it's, that might sound weird. We have to demonstrate with our actions to ourselves that we are going to be listening to ourselves and that we are going to be trustworthy by ourselves moving forward. So you can think of it as like a literal physical act that you perform as gestures, physical acts you perform as gestures, almost like you are two separate people. So there's this internal you and there's an external you. And the external you is going to have to court and befriend and demonstrate to the internal you, I'm listening and I'm honoring you. And through that process, the communication starts to be rebuilt and they get stronger and more clear and consistent and we're able to understand what they are. It's like right now where you are, the communication um, and your intentions are like the, that was severed. The connection to your true intentions was severed and to rebuild it, you have to take steady steps to rebuild by showing up. And it's, it's like a physical practice of gestures. I don't know if that makes any sense. So this is what allows you to begin feeling what's inside again. It's, it's like once you can start to know what that even is, like what it is you actually really want, you'll feel when something hurts you deep down. Because right now you can't. It's really hard to trust yourself because you're, it's like you're two separate people. Uh, and the out, external person hurts the internal person and... All, does it all the time. And so it feels like self-betrayal is just who you are. And therefore, self-betrayal is the same thing as betrayal of others. It's exactly the same thing. So it's really hard to be in your skin and in your body when you feel like a terrible human being. And you keep telling yourself again and again with your actions, like, yes, I am a terrible human being. So in short, right now you're two people with different wants, different goals, and you can't seem to get them to the, them both on the same page. So that's the goal in, in a really simple way of saying it is we're trying to get to be, be one contiguous person. And once you are seamlessly, connect, seamlessly connected as one whole person, inside and out, hurting others, and via that hurting yourself, it starts to be um, too painful. Like you can't do it it immediately becomes too painful. It's like, it's almost like you've been running around in fire. And once you become one seamless person, you're like, ow, that's fire. <laughs> and you just can't do it anymore. So stopping yourself from doing hurtful things is a no brainer. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to try. It just becomes innate and logical. It's like, it's not an effort. It's automatic. So that's something I'm sure that feels foreign to you at this point. But it's, doesn't it sound amazing? Wouldn't that be so much easier? Like, can you imagine a life like that where it's like, I don't even have to try or bargain with myself or, you know, 
dread something and it's a come or there's no like loop of, oh fuck, I failed and now I fucked up and everything's terrible. It's like, it just is. You just are. You know exactly what you want and you are linear. It's like, what a fucking relief. So with that, this is the first tool. I call it the five things. So in addition to any therapy, what you have to do when you don't trust yourself or you can't connect to yourself is begin to develop a trusting relationship with yourself. How? By starting to trust yourself. And I know if you don't trust yourself, that's a really difficult thing to say. And it's kind of like, well, but I'm going to fuck me over. But what happens is when we don't trust ourselves, we overthink everything and we lament what we did wrong and we use it to beat ourselves over the head and for hours on end, we will just berate ourselves. Internal, Our internal dialogue is always about why we are fuck-ups and why we did something wrong and it's it makes really simple things in life impossible. It makes like really simple processes um, like we feel our failures at every step of the way. We feel like we should have known better and whatever happens that goes wrong in our lives, we use it as proof of what, uh, why we're broken, why we're terrible. And so what happens is we stay in the state of self-blame and self-hate. So this is for in those moments. Let's say um, something goes wrong at work or in a friendship and you didn't anticipate this thing happening, but somebody has blown up at you and they're mad at you or you messed up a project at work, whatever it is. Um, so this is the tool. Remind yourself of the five things. Quite literally, I want you to take out your hand, look at your hand, remind yourself of these five things. Number one, I'm doing my best and that is literally all I can ever do. Even if I'm messing up, if I'm trying my best right now, then that is, that's all you have to do to be a worthy and good person. It's your only ever as good as your own best thinking, the end. You can't take somebody else's brain and put it in your body. So number one, I'm doing my best. Number two, I'm an overthinker, not an underthinker. And I thought this thing to death. So if you are in a situation where you tried your best and you weighed all the options and whatever, just remind yourself, like, I thought this thing to to death, I could not think closer to a better answer. So the end. You're an overthinker, not an underthinker. Number three, I am not psychic and I cannot predict the future. So if I could have predicted the future, I would have chosen a different outcome. So number three is basically, yeah, you're not God. And obviously, if you were magic, you would have chosen a different thing to have happen than what is happening right now. Number four, it's not about me. So if somebody else is having a reaction, you cannot control their body. You cannot control their mind. You cannot create that reaction in them. They choose how to feel in their life, no matter what. Even Like, for example, if you walked up to me and spit in my face, I choose my reaction to that. I personally would be like, oh my God, I hope they don't have COVID. I would go wash my face and I would run away from you. Another person might punch you. It's like every person's choice is different and it's on them how they want to respond to whatever feedback you're giving them is you don't make anyone do anything. 
Number five, that was the right answer because it was the best one I could come up with at the time. So in your life, there's nothing you can ever do differently based on the information and thinking you have in the future. All you ever have is your best guess at the time. So therefore, to continue thinking about a situation that has gone wrong is an exercise in self-flagellation. It's an excuse to remain self-hating. I want to repeat that. It's an excuse to remain self-hating and to abuse yourself. So you're using it to practice feeling bad about yourself. It's actually a ruse. It's an excuse to feel bad instead of practice a new way of being, which takes a lot more energy and it's because it's a new habit. You have to form this new habit by practicing it. And this new habit is um, open self-reflection and giving yourself the benefit of the doubt, really investigating your own personal motives and trusting yourself. The, the leap of faith of trying to trust yourself and be accountable is in itself a new habit. And therefore, our bodies want to resist it by going back into, I feel bad and I'm shitty. It's like so much easier to feel that way. And therefore, we have to really teach ourselves to practice feeling, no, I did try. I am good. I want to think about all of the reasons I am good and I do trust myself and my own best thinking. So, okay, that's the five things. I'm going to recap the five really quick. Number one, I'm doing my best. That's all I can ever do. Number two, I'm an overthinker, not an underthinker, and I thought this thing to death. Number three, I am not psychic, and I cannot predict the future. If I could, I would have chosen a different outcome. Number four, it's not about me. If somebody else has a reaction, I cannot control their body and mind to create that reaction in them. Number five, that was the right answer because it was the best one I could come up with at the time. All right, next tool is called whisper listening. So this is for making decisions. It's really painful to make decisions on your own if you don't trust yourself, but it's something you can get better at with practice. So in the face of endless ambivalence, what I want you to do is put a time limit on the amount of time you can negotiate the decision. For example, you can say three hours, or you can say 7 p.m. tonight and set an alarm. And at the end of that time, whatever is the tiny, tiny, subtle, tiny little whisper voice, like you're going to close your eyes and you're going to listen for whatever the whisper says is the right answer for you. And you're just going to go with that. It'll be something that's very quiet, very subtle, something that will feel slightly more correct than the other answer. And then whatever it is, just get a thousand percent behind that answer and never retract your support for yourself. Why? Because that's all you ever have. And therefore it's the right answer. Your own best guess at a given time is the answer. And that's all you have. If that's what you guessed, it was right. There's nothing more right than that because it's what was the end. And I'm saying like, if you are a person that's, you've weighed all the things again and again and again, you've done all the research again and again and again, you've pulled 
this thing in your life, that thing in your life, you weighed them against those things. It's like when you get into that state of ambivalence, uh, at the end of the day, anything you're, you guess is the right answer because it's your life. There's no wrong answer. All right, the next tool, 15 minutes of shame. Same kind of tool, but basically when you have overthinking about your things that you've done wrong or somebody being mad at you or if you did something stupid or if you looked dumb, give yourself 15 minutes to just really dive into that shame. Set an alarm and once it's completed, your job is to really put it away and redirect focus. And if you need help redirecting focus, I have a few books that I think you should read. I'm going to put in the show notes. It's, I would say the main one is um, the Eckhart Tolle New Earth, a New Earth book. I know a lot of people f- that I work with clients-wise feel that this is somehow culty or dangerous. I had the same belief before I read that book, but it's, it's the same as uh, basic mindfulness. It's just, it's structured in a way that's, I would say, really clear and effective. Um, but I'm going to put some other books in there too. If you are freaked out by that book for any reason, I totally get it. I thought it was Dianetics when I was not into those types of books before. Anyway. All right. Next tool, logic work back. So this is a tool for when you don't have self-love and you, in order to build it, you have to start being nice to yourself. And that is kind of an, a confusing and difficult thing to do when you don't know how. Like if you don't know how to be nice to yourself. So as a logic work back, I want you to ask yourself throughout your day, what would I do for a friend? That's it. What would you do for a friend? That is what you would do for yourself. That's what you have to do for yourself moving forward. It's a consistent must do rule of thumb, even if it's inconvenient or expensive. So whatever you would do for a very good friend, you're going to do for yourself. Um, Or somebody you're trying to woo. That's another good metaphor. So if you need help, um, you know, if you're really hungry, you're going to get yourself a nice snack and it's going to look nice. If you are cold, you're going to give yourself a blanket, a soft one. You're going to make sure you get the good seat, the comfy one that's in the sun, etc. Um, and I know I already said this, but like, if this is something that's happening in your life, start talking about it. Start being curious about it. Start rambling about it. Looking for stories in your past about it. Start just bringing light to this with whoever you feel you can talk to about this. Because it's it's an unraveling. It's like it starts with the curiosity. With those little tiny bells that ring. And you're like, huh, that sounds true for me too. And you're already in the state of change at that point. And... I hope you take this seriously and, and just follow it and dive into it because like, Oh fuck, your life is so much easier. It's so much easier. It's such a relief to let go of all this weight, you know, and your life gets a lot better too. Cause you actually get to choose it. It's not like a, a result of accidents and missteps and it's not so vague. It's like becomes really evident what you want. So before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors. I have so many new wonderful sponsors. Marina, I got a huge donation from you. Thank you so very much. Barbara, another huge donation from you. Thank you so very much. 
Olivia. Thank you so much. A lovely donation from you. And I have a new monthly sponsor, Tyler. Thank you so very much on Patreon. And Greg and Kevin, you both upped your monthly donations on Patreon. Thank you so very much. I appreciate it immensely. And Alexandra, I got a wonderful donation from you. Thank thank you so, so much. Natalie and Ariel or Ariel, thank you so much for your wonderful donations. And Jennifer, uh, you're a new monthly sponsor on Patreon. Thank you so very much. And Sonnet, thank you so much for your lovely donation. Anyone out there who has the means, donations help me a ton. Uh, We really appreciate it from all of you. And if not, the reviews on iTunes or on SoundCloud, even a heart on SoundCloud, they're all very much appreciated. And if not, if anyone has a friend that could use to hear this, sharing this show really helps me reach others. And I appreciate you all so very much. In closing, hope is rational because change is inevitable. It's constant and it's happening right now. With new knowledge, you have already changed, even though often that change is imperceptible. So remember to have hope always because often we cannot see the change because we're only able to see where we are right now. And we're often looking at a faraway point and saying, but I'm not there So we ignore and we negate our present day progress. Or because we're still suffering, we can't see anything at all. All we can see is pain. But I'm telling you from the outside, have hope. Because life is a process and you are in the process of aligning with your true goals for yourself right now. Of realigning the split that occurred a long time ago. And once you can act as one holistic person who knows what they want and can actually walk toward that thing without dragging one leg behind you, things are so much easier and you walk faster. (laughs) So with that, I send you my love and don't forget to smile. Smile.